You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. This week's edition of Assembly Call Radio is coming right up. Before we get to that, a quick word from this week's sponsor, SeatGeek. Let's start with a question. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big that they feel like they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have the events you want? The real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? So why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, a quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? And they get these reviews because they provide a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays these deals and the tickets on an interactive seat map. So you can see exactly where you'd be sitting. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. As I've told you many times, I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. Uh, I found tickets for a concert my wife and I are going to go to there. I'm going to do it again later this summer because we're going to try and go to a lot of concerts this summer. Uh, So I'll be using the SeatGeek app uh, when I get those. And that's why I recommend that you should as well. And here's the thing. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. So download the SeatGeek app today and use the promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code ASSEMBLY for $10 off your first purchase. All right. And now here is this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most urgent topics in the never-dull world of Indiana basketball. This is our 121st edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 513th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, May 9th, 2019. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms, and let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call as we begin every moment of the Assembly Call, or every edition, rather, Uh, and that's with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. Uh, and and for me, it's a little bit hard to come by these a, a lot of times as we're going through the off season. And so uh, pickings were slim this week. But I will say, uh, I'll, I'll kind of hit on something that we're going to touch on uh, during the show as well. And that was the uh, the APR, the Academic Progress uh, Report results came out this week. Uh, and I use while it did not improve dramatically over the the four year average that you use, really only going up a point there, it did improve pretty dramatically from year to year. Uh, and basically in what I would consider to be uh, Archie Miller's first real year, although he gets partial credit for the 2016-17 season. Um, but it was updated to now to include the 2017-18 season, and I use numbers jump from 920 uh, to 980. So good progress. You know, We talk a lot about on-court progress and what we've seen and uh, handing out report cards as we've done the last couple of weeks about what we've seen on the floor, on the recruiting trail, uh, and all those kinds of things. But I think 
most IU fans um, would look at and and have had great pride in the past and how IU's handled things academically uh, and all the off the court things that are uh, are equally important to to turn in these uh, guys that come in and to young men that leave the program uh, and leave it in good standing. So I think that's a, a positive sign, another positive for Archie as he goes through uh, early in his his campaign here at IU and. Um, you know, time will tell as the, you know, four-year average gets updated and things move forward. But uh, I do think it's reflective of a, a continued emphasis on academics, a, a continued emphasis on getting the right kids in who are going to take that part of their responsibility seriously. And, uh, and I think that's a, an overall positive sign, which is, uh, you know, a little bit dated when the, the lag on these is about a year. But, uh, but again, I think it shows he was able to come in and really uh, instill that focus and uh, and have some good things there. So I think that's something that everybody can be proud of. And uh, as we certainly look to be more and more proud of what we see on the court, this is a good sign that things off the court are going uh, well at the same time. And so that for me will be uh, this week's banner moment. So with that, uh, we will uh, join the rest of our esteemed co-host. I'll introduce those guys. And to my left, he is a longtime high school basketball coach in Indiana and the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club and also the host of Sports Talk with Tonsoni. It's the coach, Brian Tonsoni, which means it's Tonsoni time. And coach, what's on your mind tonight? Well, hello, everyone. Uh, what's on my mind is how to judge the program when you see things like uh, recent recruits going uh, to other schools and IU losing out on recruits. Obviously, the results of the season were not what most fans want. How do you look at the program? And I try to remind myself uh, to look at it in a certain way, and fans are always open to to pick the parts that they think are most important. But for me, it is, to piggyback a little bit on what you said in the banner moment, it is overall progress of the, of the program. When Archie Miller came in, he said he was going to have an inside-out recruiting plan that is being carried out two straight mr basketballs try to remember that as these recent recruits have gone elsewhere uh, several guys from the state of indiana that is what the fan base really clamored for and we're getting that the fan base also says indiana does basketball correct and that is behavior that is in the class all of those things that we have longed for and short of it's just a small rules uh violation by one of the players in the two years that Archie has had the team, I think they've represented the university well. The results on the floor, 16, 19 have, have improved slightly, but not near enough. The recruiting, I would urge fans to still be patient when you come in late with uh, a couple kids and they go to bigger schools. The, the Morton thing that happened went down earlier is a little bit of a sting, obviously. Not going to sugarcoat that, but there are other players that are on the list. So my take is. Brian, slow down a little bit. Look at the big picture. The defense is getting better. The recruiting's good. We're getting guys in that want to be in the Indiana program and be a little patient looking forward. That doesn't excuse the program from not taking steps forward and forward as fast as possible in the future. And to my right, he's a senior writer at The Big Lead, a proud Indiana Journalism School graduate, and your go-to Twitter account if you enjoy all-caps live tweeting of San Diego Padres baseball games. And, and to add what Jared had in this introduction here, I was talking to my wife a little bit before the show and, and talking about, yeah, we don't have a ton of uh, big topics, big news this week, probably a lot of, a lot of questions that will hit. And then she suggested I just uh, open the floor for Ryan to talk about the Padres for a little while, and that would uh, fill up the time nicely. Totally there for you, man. They're competing this year. It's the first time in a long time. I'm all there. First time in a decade. Let's get this. 
Friar Power. Uh, it's also uh, Tony Gwynn's birthday today, so Mr. Padre, uh, wherever you are, happy birthday, my friend. Um, I, I, I kind of wanted to touch on just the Morton recruitment. This is really, I think, the first guy that Archie's gone all in on that he didn't get. You could tell Archie wanted Ethan Morton really badly. And I think that the results of this past season really hurt IU in this pursuit. And possibly the fact that there's other guys on the roster who maybe you know, play the same spot, do the same things as Morton. Um, but he's a guy that Archie really wanted. And he's a legit top 50 player. And to lose him to Purdue, this is the first recruit they've lost to Purdue that you really, in in a while, that you really say, oh man, I wish we, you know, that, that IU went in on, that IU went all in on. And, and so it's a guy that that is a miss and it's a bummer. And and then when you look at Lester Quinones, who just visited, most people expect him to go to Memphis and pick Memphis tomorrow. And missing out on those two guys uh, really does sting. I know Morton is a, a 2020 recruit, so there's a long way to go until we know how that recruiting class is going to shape up. And I, you know, from all accounts, it's going to be another good one for Indiana. But filling out the rest of this 2019 class has been a last minute scramble. And it, I mean, honestly, if Quinones doesn't commit, where do you go? And, and I guess, you know, I don't have the answer to that. And I don't think a lot of people do. And it might be that you enter the season with, you know, two open scholarship spots, maybe something that you didn't uh, expect happening. Maybe you bring in a, you know, a, a grad transfer. So, uh, but I, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do, but those two things, that's really all that happened this week that, that was notable to me. The APR stuff, obviously great. And Trace Jackson Davis getting named Mr. Basketball since the last time I got in. Um, uh, since the last time I was on the show. So that's, again, two straight Mr. Basketballs. They're recruiting well. It's just you kind of feel like they went all in on a couple guys and, and didn't get them. And and uh, I think coming in late with Quinones is, has a lot to do with why they missed uh, on this. But at the same time, you know, you really want to see the program looking like uh, it, it can go pick and choose who it wants when it wants them. And that's going to come with success on the court as well. Every, it, this program has everything off the court you want. You want to start having that success on the court. So it makes things like recruiting easier. And then with that, it just starts to perpetuate because you have the talent and you have everything else in place. All right. Well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. We'll talk a little bit more about some of the recruiting. Uh, you guys alluded to a couple things. So we'll talk about that and and maybe what comes next for IU in light of the uh, in one case, a recent decision. In one case, a, an anticipated decision. Uh, so we'll talk through that. We'll uh, touch on the APR stuff a little bit more, just to get a, a little bit more inside the numbers with that. And then uh, the uh, the other big update of the week was uh, some news about IU's non-conference schedule. So uh, we'll look at that, who the potential opponent might be or opponents might be, uh, and then kind of step back and look at what we know now about what the uh, non-conference schedule looks like uh, heading into next season. And then we'll answer your questions. We got a lot of those. And as I said, you know, we may be, uh, be heavy on those, but there's a lot of good questions to get to. So we'll hit all that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. So from a recruiting standpoint, uh, you know, both Coach and Ryan alluded to this. Ethan Morton announced just before we came on uh, that he would be going to Purdue. That was pretty widely speculated uh, in recent days that that, that was going to be the case. That was a guy who IU had gone in on quite a bit. Um, there's no truth to the rumor. That's why Jared is not on the show. He has uh, outspoken about his love of Ethan Morton and all the things he heard about him and his uh, communication on defense. No truth to the rumor that that is why Jared is not here, uh, that he made some kind of last-ditch effort to go and uh, get Ethan Morton to commit to IU. Ryan is trying to add something clever, but he's muted himself. So We're not saying that's not why he's here. 
it's definitely not not why he's here though yes absolutely absolutely so we have that and then uh, as ryan mentioned uh, we're recording this on thursday night friday uh lester quinones is is uh, announcing his decision i think the last i saw the crystal ball is 100 percent memphis there have been some questions raised about the number of scholarships they're giving out and how many they have and all those kinds of things but i'm not sure uh, in this case, if they get a chance to get him, that it, it certainly feels like a uh, we'll accept your commitment and figure it out later uh, type of thing. So I, I guess with that, um, we had a question come in from Tyler, and and he basically said, guess we're probably done with 2019 recruits. With that being said, do we start the season with two, one, or no open scholarships? So uh, I had kind of written down if there are any other additions on the grad transfer market potentially. Um, somebody also, Matt also asked if I was looking at former Iowa guard, Isaiah Moss. I know there's some weird things about, uh, intra-conference transfers with the big 10 and I haven't really heard IU mentioned with him, although I haven't, you know, haven't not heard them mentioned with him, I suppose. Is he a grad transfer or a regular transfer? Uh, he's a grad transfer as best I, uh, grad transfers there aren't restrictions on, so he can come. Uh, Max Bielfeld was an interconference grad transfer. It's, I know they can. I know they can kind of waive some of that, but some. I know some teams in the past have been a little bit weird about it. Although anytime anybody's weird about that, they end up relenting after the yeah the, onslaught of PDA, people yeah. calling them jerks and uh, vindictive. Uh, usually gets people to to sway the other way. But coach, as you step back and kind of look now, do you see any potential additions to the roster or are we at this point feeling like the guys that are that are out there now it's pretty much set in i think they're going to add someone that we're not aware of uh simply because there are 11 scholarships and you had a couple players who sat out the year last year who were injured and you don't know what their progress is going to be how soon uh, they'll make it back um and the deron davis also deals with injuries and so you know you have some players that are going to be in their sophomore year in Demisi that may make progress. So I, I would really be surprised if there was not something added if Quinones says uh, Memphis, just to, just to have some depth uh, in case things, uh, you know, may not work out. And, and as we saw last year, when, when those things happen that you don't expect uh, and, and you lose some numbers, it, it throws a wrench into your practice and your development. So I think maybe – I would lean towards a graduate transfer so you have that scholarship open again uh, for the 2020 season when you have right now seven left out of the top eight that we talked about last week. So I, I think they'll add someone. Um, I don't know that they'll add two, but I do think they'll add at least one. Ryan? Yeah, I think they'll add somebody, but I don't know from where, who, whatever, who to target. Uh, Trenton Wofford's still out there, but it doesn't seem like he's interested uh, in IU as much as IU is interested in him. Uh, I, I, I just I don't think there is a fit out there. Uh, just looking nationally at the, at the you know at the at the recruiting landscape, especially given you know uh, you know a, a guy like Boogie Ellis uh, decommitted from Duke, but he's pretty much probably going to go to Memphis now. I mean, you know, I mean, there's just, there isn't somebody out there you're looking at thinking, okay, that guy could fit. He could fit in. This would be a great uh, position for him. Did uh, we know about Fitzner way in advance or was that uh, somewhat of a that surprise? That was pretty quick. Yeah, no, I think that was pretty quick. I, look, there could be a grad transfer out there if there is, if there's not somebody we're hearing about that, right. that is all of a sudden going to pop up on the radar. So there's certainly a long way to go as far as that. They don't have to be on campus until you know, the end of the summer. So there's plenty of time with that. There could also be grad transfers who decide to opt out and transfer later in the summer. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that can happen. Um, 
so I, but I would say that, yeah, there's nobody we're, we're earmarking right now that could fill that role. I do think they will add another player, whoever that is, uh, just, I mean, for the practice body alone, it's, it's important. And, um, you know, even if it's a, a, a sit out transfer, I, I don't know, but, uh, I think somebody is going to get added to that mix. I, uh, but I, I, I couldn't tell you who. There's so many people on the transfer market too. You know, we, we've talked about a few that have popped up and you see some taking visits and committing. Uh, I think that, I think that's the route that might happen that like a Fitzner last year, all of a sudden a week or two, and we, we have an addition to the roster. Yeah, I just looked up. He committed on May third, so really only about a, a yeah. week ago at this time last year. And I don't, and that progressed pretty quickly from his name really coming onto the radar to something happening there. So, uh, yeah, sometimes I, yeah. these guys visit and you don't even know until they're on campus. You know, I mean, the Joey Bronk thing happened incredibly fast as well. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I, I think that you know we don't know what's going to happen but i i would be surprised i could see them leaving one scholarship spot open and and not having an issue uh but two is a lot to carry into a season especially just you know because you've lost some veteran uh walk-ons too who know how to practice know the system all that stuff you're going to be replacing them so uh it's just again i think it's uh you need to be able to have those bodies at your disposal yeah i'd be i'd be shocked if both those are still open um come or if both those are used i would be surprised if both are open but i would be shocked if they end up using both because it feels pretty late to uh be filling both those up and i don't think archie even by his own admission has been a guy who feels the need to just fill out the number because you've got that many to give so um we'll kind of see what happens with that the other the other thing that comes along with that is you kind of look at the the morton one and spin that forward a little bit uh you know the question really becomes with him now out of the mix uh, you know, which recruitment really starts to take on extra importance. It feels like Trey Galloway is the uh, the kind of obvious answer to that question, both from a, you know, g- general size standpoint, um, from some of the competitiveness things that you hear about those guys. But uh, is that the way you would go with that coach? Or do you think there's somebody else who really uh, might be able to fit that mold or do some of the same things that IU was looking for to come in and do? Yeah, you know, you need talent and you need the best talent. So you need to go after whoever is the best recruit that has been offered. And Garcia, a five-star center, might fit that mode. That might become the priority. And I'm just old-fashioned, dude. I like Indiana guys. So Galloway, to me, uh, a hustle guy, a dive-on-the-floor guy, limited shot right now. But that seems like a guy, if you can get him uh, and and keep him from a Notre Dame or a Purdue, that that's the kind of – kid that fits in Archie Miller mode a little bit and then you know Leo from Bloomington South we we need shooters and he might be a development piece that that might not really blossom until sophomore or junior year but if these kids are Indiana kids and they're three stars top 150 100 to 150 I I don't see where that's a, a real problem yeah we'd like to have the Mortons of the world and some of those guys and, and there's some other non-Indiana young men that we've offered love to have any of those. I think we, Jared and I talked about that last week for me, it's Galloway and Leo. Uh, let's get them in. If we, if there are four scholarships open, that leaves two for out of state, um, guys. Yeah. I think, you know, sometimes you do have to go with the local guy. Uh, I think, you know, there's, there's just a commitment from those guys to get better. And there's a commitment from those guys to, you know, 
do right by Indiana. And, and so I'm not saying that doesn't exist from guys outside, but I think that Anthony Leal is a guy who's going to do whatever it takes to be good at Indiana. And, and so I think that with a guy like Morton gone, you do need to find a shooter. And, and I think that Leal is a guy who maybe doesn't have the quickest feet in the world, maybe isn't the best defender in the world, but you can work on him and, and, and make him better. And, and I think that he's a guy that they're going to probably wind up I, I say have to take. Indiana never has to take anybody, but but that's just kind of how it feels. It's like, go take that guy. That guy wants to be at Indiana. He's been waiting for his Indiana offer. He finally got it. I, I think that that's a guy that they should bring in, especially if you've got extra rides open. You can afford to spend one on a guy who maybe isn't going to make a huge impact. That's a guy who, in his senior year, is going to be knocking down threes against you when you play Butler or Purdue or Notre Dame or whoever uh, if you don't bring it, if you don't get him. So I, I think that you know, I know that's a very specific one game thing, but it, it's the kind of guy who can do that kind of stuff for you um, in the end. And, and so I think that Leal's uh, recruitment is going to take off. I think Galloway is another guy whose recruitment is probably going to be accelerated at this point. Um, but again, a, a lot of these things won't be hashed out until early fall, maybe late summer, uh, as these guys take their visits and, and, and get to know the coaches better. But I think that both those guys are, are really... Uh, become far more important with Ethan Morton uh, picking Purdue. And again, if you go into next year with four or five scholarships now, uh, you know, including the guys who are going to leave and you have a lot of open scholarships, you can afford to take it on guys who maybe don't have the highest ceilings in the world, but are winning players. You just got to find more guys. And I'm really high on Armand Franklin. I just think he wants to be at Indiana. He's a fighter too, man. That that kid is a, that kid is a, a street brawler. I love and, it. And and his mom's cool too. So, um, you know, added, added bonus, but I, and I may be wrong cause you need guys to, you need talent. You can't just win with three stars from Indiana that love being in assembly hall. I get that, but it does, it, it does mean that you have a better chance. And I, and I think there's just great examples in the college game of pieces fitting together, making a team and making a run in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, that, that's my hope. Yep, I would uh, I would agree. So it'll be interesting to watch how this plays out in light of recent events, and uh, we'll keep you up to date with all that as we uh, move forward. So coming up next on the assembly call, we're going to touch on the APR stuff a little bit more. I had a couple questions that I saw in the chat and wanted to get into that just a, a bit more. And then we'll look at the uh, non-conference schedule news and where that sits at this point in the offseason, and uh, we'll hit that next. So stick with us here on the assembly call. And welcome back to the Assembly Call. You can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcast or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash assemblycall. I'm Andy Bottoms, filling in for Jared Morris here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And we wanted to just hit a little bit more on the, uh, the APR news that came out, just to give a little bit of background. And I will, in the interest of full disclosure, say that there are still components of this that even the three of us are not... Uh, Totally sure how they work, but uh, as, as you look through this, so basically what happened this week, scores were reported for the 2017-18 season. Uh, there's a four-year average that uh, goes out, and that only went up from 943 to 944, which still ranks uh, next to last in the Big Ten, I think just above Ohio State. Um, but for the, the 2017-18 season, as I mentioned before, uh, that was a 980 out of 1,000. 
Uh, and the Hoosier Sports Report had a really good write-up on this, so I won't read this verbatim, but did think it put some of these numbers into a pretty good context. Uh, basically said, former IU basketball coach Tom Crean, responsible for two years of the latest calculation, uh, during which Indiana's multi-year score fell from three straight years of perfect 1,000 scores to 985 in 2014-15. This is the average now, 964 in 2015-16, and it fell further to 943 during the 2016-17 year, which was academically shared by Crean and Miller. That's kind of what I said before. That seems a little bit odd to me that um, you know Archie, while he started midway through that semester, feels a little bit odd to have that be a shared year, but it is what it is. Uh, and basically, this says excessive roster turnover, players leaving in poor academic standing can negatively affect the APR scores. Uh, and so, you know, I do think the single year jump is pretty good. I think, Coach, I believe you put a couple of numbers in the chat of what the single year ones were in Crean's last couple of years. So I'll let you hit on that. But I think, I mean, you don't see a drop, even though it's a four year average, the sample size of that's pretty small. You don't see that drop from being a thousand for a few years all the way down to 940 without having a couple really rough. Uh, a really rough years mixed in in succession to to really drag that number down. Yeah, and we were talking about what happens when players leave to go to uh, pursue per, pro careers. If Indiana had perfect thousand point scores in twelve, thirteen, and fourteen, then turning pro must not count against the program if they are academically eligible. Uh, transfers, I believe, do so. What you've seen when, when in the last two years of, of Tom Crean's era was uh, a lot of guys leaving the program, maybe some guys who did leave pro that didn't finish that second semester uh, in an academically uh, eligible situation. And so the, the, we've talked about how the APR kind of kept Archie Miller uh, at bay from roster uh, movement early in his career. In order to avoid penalties, a four-year average has to be over 930. And with years of 918, 920, when Archie Miller was hired, there was a big need to get to a 980 or above because now, short of you know something just you know crazy happening, uh, there's no way that any sanctions would happen to Indiana. Their four-year average, it would have next year would have to be below uh, 900 uh, APR score, I think, to to have that fall below 930. So that was really important, and we lose sight of that when. There was only 16 wins and no tournament, but Archie could not come in and say, hey, guys, you're not kind of my players. You probably need to go play somewhere else. And maybe even going into this year to protect that APR as much as possible. And the 980 was figured out when, um, oh, I'm going to forget his name now. The young man left in December after the first semester uh, in Archie's first year. Uh, went to Oklahoma State. Uh, Curtis Jones. Curtis Jones. And so – you know, he, did, he wasn't there second semester, so the points available were 50. There was one player who was academically eligible but left early, so there's 49 out of 50, therefore equals 98%, uh, and then 980 is the score. So that Curtis Jones was the only knock on the APR in, in that first year. So it's important. It's important to get players in to make sure they're making progress towards graduation. They are graduating. And if they're going to leave to take a pro career, that they are academically eligible. And I think Archie's doing that uh, in, a, in a fashion that is uh, the way IU would like it. Yep. Ryan, any uh, kind of closing thoughts before we uh, shut down the APR discussion? I'll be honest. I'm a, I'm a sports writer, sports journalist, cover a lot of college sports. I know nothing about the APR. I just know like what a good number is and what a bad number is. And IU is on the good side of it. So thumbs up positive um i know i mean i know this is normally this is normally the part in the show in a post-game show where we hit numbers which ryan is equally disinterested in yeah I just so don't care. this works out this works yeah. out pretty well 
but it, you know, it, it, they're in a good spot and, and it looks like it's improving and that, and that's really what you need and, and you need to be in a good spot with it, especially given how much turnover there was under the last administration. There is a lot of turnover this year. So we'll see how that plays out on the APR, um, and how the guys do academically and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're it, it's weird because they're going to have to refigure this in college basketball with so many guys transferring with so many guys uh jumping early and all that stuff they're gonna have to refigure the way they do the numbers because i don't think you can really punish teams for all the transfers when the ncaa has made transferring so much easier uh so i think that and it's become so much more common so i think they're gonna have to refigure that but as it stands i use in a good spot right now one, one quick thing too the the low numbers of apr under tom Crean came in when the recruiting classes after yogi came in and Zeller and Aladipo and those guys, some of the struggles, and you saw on court, a lot of players left and a lot of uh, uh, turnover, which led to lower APR. So I think that was indicative of then why Indiana maybe was looking to go a different direction in its basketball program. And so, again, another reason maybe to be a little patient with Archie as he was tasked with rebuilding that side as well as the basketball side. Yep, that's a good, uh, that's a good way to end that, uh, that topic on. So schedule news, wanted to hit this. This was one of the other news items that came out this week. So it was announced that IU is going to be playing in the Jimmy V Classic in New York. Uh, typically, that's been an early December event, and they will play one of. Uh, this is not a four-team tournament scenario. So there's just two games uh, back-to-back, but the, the winners don't play each other or anything like that. They'll play one of Louisville, Texas Tech, or UConn. Uh, so according to what I read on inside the hall in the past, the matchups for this have typically been announced in late May. So we may just be, you know, a couple weeks away from hearing, uh, you know, who that is, but, uh, you know, as we look at this event, Ryan, I'll, I'll throw this to you first. Is there any one of these that really stands out that you want to see IU play? Uh, I, I looked a little bit through some of these, you know, two early top 25s and things like that of those. Louisville seems to be rated the best. They've got a really good recruiting class and a decent core of guys coming back uh, from this year. Texas Tech certainly loses a lot, but Chris Beard has been so good that I think you're hard-pressed to really bet against him. They lost, they lost a lot last yeah. year, too. Yeah. In one. So, yeah, so if we've learned nothing from, from the recent past, uh, it would be that uh, you know Texas Tech is probably going to be okay. And then UConn, to me, is a little bit harder to gauge. Uh, you know, had a first-year coach last year uh, with uh, Dan Hurley, I believe, and and so they are, are starting to maybe get more of his players in, but uh, I would say a little bit harder to you know to assume that they'll be a great team. So uh, anybody preference wise for you to play Ryan? Would you rather play somebody you think you can beat, or would you rather play uh, you know you know a, a Texas Tech or a Louisville? Uh, I want I want to play a team that's going to look good later in the season. I, I think that that uh, Louisville we just played. I, I, I kind of want to stay away from a team. I'd like to see us play somebody different. Uh, Louisville they just played three was it three years in a row or two years in a row? I don't know. Like, but uh, three actually three years in a row. Yeah, I think three. Yeah, um, played Louisville a couple years in a row. I mean, yeah, that's probably best for the for the strength of schedule, but also Texas Tech would be fun just to see something different. Uh, that game might end up being thirty to twenty nine or something like that, given both these coaches' proclivities. But um, I would love to see us play Texas Tech. I'd love to see him play UConn just to just to put a different team out there. But if you're looking at purely at strength of schedule, Louisville, of course. Um, that said, I think that uh, I think that any of those teams will be good for IU strength of schedule. So I think it's great that they got put in this. Hey, Andy, I had a question real quick. Uh, where are they going to be next November? 
Uh, I believe that's uh, Maui. Is what ah, right. I need to get reminded of that every every, every good, show. Good. Coach, what are your thoughts on the uh, potential opponents in the Jimmy V? Well, I, I'm happy to see Indiana back in, in really big tournaments. Maui, again, coming up in the, in the next season, the Jimmy V. Indiana basketball is a top program, or at least we want it to be and, and think it is as Indiana supporters. It's nice to see Indiana playing again in these. It's what happened in the 90s and in the, in the 1000s, zeros, aughts, whatever you call it. And so I'm glad they're playing in it. You want to play someone that will help you uh, come tournament time, and you want you have a chance to beat Louisville's probably the best of those three teams, at least on paper and way too early polls. Uh, you know, I guess if you want to win, I think right now UConn gives the best chance for Indiana to win just by looking at rosters and and where they were last year. But I think regardless, it, it is an opponent that is going to boost the strength of schedule and, and boost uh, the net and all that stuff that you and I deal with. And so I think it's a it's a good situation to, to be in. Yeah, none of those teams are going to hurt you. So it really doesn't matter who they play. Um, in my opinion, Louisville might bump you a little bit more. Um, but yeah, I, none of those teams are going to hurt you. It seems like a really good uh, addition to the schedule. Yeah, I would agree. I, I kind of echo what you said, Ryan. You know, After having played Louisville at least two or three years in a row, feels like that'd be one to avoid. And I would guess that's probably one the, the one to me that is least likely um, just given, uh, you know, given that history, I think Texas tech would be interesting. Maybe the earlier in the season you play them, the better off you might be. Uh, and I think that one, I, like you said, any of them, I think are going to look, look good over the course of the year. But I think if we see Texas tech on a similar trajectory as what they've shown for the last couple of years, then that one might be one that if you're able to steal it early, it looks a little bit, a little bit better. Uh, on down the line, and I think from a UConn's perspective, you know the American is uh, a little bit of a toss-up from year to year, so you never really know. But it's certainly not one that's going to hurt you. But it's always uh, so weird for me that they're not still in the Big East. Like it yeah. really is weird. It's like Syracuse being in the ACC. It's like you think of the Big East when you think of Syracuse, and not anymore. It's sad. Yeah, exactly. So, wanted to just kind of reset what we know so far about the about the non-conference schedule. So, just for context, last year IU played eleven non-conference games, and I think. You could probably say they played five that really meant something or had a chance to move the needle, being Marquette, Arkansas, Duke, Louisville, and Butler. Um, it, you're at at least four this year that put you in there. So you've got this Jimmy V game. You've got Arkansas coming to Assembly Hall, although uh, their you know, new coach there, who really knows what that might look like. You play Notre Dame uh, in the crossroads, and then a Big Ten ACC game, which uh, projects to be at home. The, the wild card is the potential fifth game at this point is whether IU takes part in the Gavit games again. Uh, I feel like I've seen some different things about this. I, I captured this from inside the hall, though. Uh, I used to play it in three or four. That's not really up for debate. The, the part that I'm, not, I'm less sure about is you know, kind of what the commitment has been and how many years they're going to play in it. And to, to piggyback a little bit off of what Ryan said earlier, I don't know whether it's, it, it's probably unlikely or or maybe the trip to Maui makes it less likely that IU would play in the Gavit games the yeah, following. They're not going to travel next year. Yeah. Yeah, you probably wouldn't travel. You'd have three games in Maui that you expect to be good. You're going to have a Big Ten ACC game at that point, so that gives you four games. Do you really? And you've got the crossroads. Would you really have a, a you know kind of sixth potential good game that year? So yeah, I would I would tend to believe that IU will still play in the Gavit games this year, but that's kind of speculation at that point. And then I would assume they would fill out the rest of the non-conference schedule in a way similar or maybe slightly better. Uh, than what they did a year ago, but you know, you know, coaches, you look down that list of uh, of of opponents, whether it be from a bracketology perspective or from a, a fan's perspective. Do you feel like that gives 
uh, enough challenges in the non-conference leaves you enough room for uh, some some hopefully sure wins and uh, gives you enough different styles and different things where you can get a pretty good idea of what your team looks like going into conference play? Yeah, the first four games we know for sure. And I'm really looking at that Big Ten ACC matchup. I understand that Indiana is a, a blue blood program and we want it to be there. But playing Duke several times and North Carolina several times, I'd really like to see uh, a four, five, six, seven ranking team in the ACC come into a, a assembly hall. Give up, like feed us Wake that. Forest. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> but, but from a bracketology standpoint, a Virginia Tech with the new coach, a Clemson, uh, I do not want to see Syracuse because of the matchup early in the season playing against that zone. But I think there needs to be something different for us, both from a bracketology and a fan standpoint, that uh, where our program is at, it's not. it would be nice to have, not that we don't have a chance against the Duke, but play someone, if we're supposed to be anywhere from 6 to 10 in the Big Ten, let's play someone 6 to 10 in the ACC and see where we're at and get something that I'll add. The Gavit game's up in the air. If, if we play this year, then we're done for the next uh, three years. So they might even spread that out a little bit more. And I think someone in the chat room said that they've heard that, that we're not playing next year. So I think okay. Gavit games are up in the air. But then the question becomes, Andy, do you want to play that fifth, you know, big game for an opportunity? Or I would probably rather see play a couple of mid-majors, 100, 200 uh, net type of teams home and maybe even on the road to build that number resume that we, we use as bracketologists if you're not going to fill the Gavit games with another brand name. Now, from a fan standpoint, you want brand names coming into Assembly Hall, but we should have Arkansas and the Big Ten ACC coming in in the preseason. So that that's my thoughts and, and wonders as we move forward uh, on the schedule. Yeah, I kind of wonder if you don't play in the Gavit games because again I've, I feel like I've read different things about it's a minimum of four years but I think they wanted to play five I, I'm not really sure but if you didn't play that road game and the the Big Ten ACC game was at home you could easily have a scenario where you don't have any road games in that scenario um, I, I don't know if that's how it would shake out but you'd have to go out and find a, a road game with Arkansas coming here uh, and the other so that'll be interesting to see Ryan any uh, final thoughts on the schedule before we uh, before we take a break yeah, I mean, based on the selection committee's criteria this year, they should just play a bunch of 200-level teams and uh, forget all these uh, high-level games and just play in the Big Ten. I, you know, I mean, we don't know what's going to matter, what's not, but I think that we all saw this year that the number of wins is the most important thing to the committee, and and so I just want them to be able to to rack up some wins. Yeah, you don't want to play 300-level teams, of course not, but. You know, if you're going to fill out the schedule, you've got some tough games, and then you've got the Big Ten. I think you probably uh, aren't going to be uh, harassed if you if you fill it out with some lower tier teams. I agree with with Coach, though. I'd love to see him play some MAC teams, some American teams, some you know lower level Missouri uh, Valley, in Missouri like Valley, like teams in the that tier of a conference. Uh, but you don't have to play the best team from that conference, you know. But but playing teams that aren't you know one, from one big bid leagues maybe. Uh, necessarily uh but teams that are sort of maybe leagues that are on the bubble of one two bit so uh yeah i think that that's that's the uh smart way to go yeah well uh it'll be interesting to see how that plays out yeah it is funny when you you look at that you know, kind of that that swing of the gavit games whether you play it or not it's hard to look back at the selection process from last year and not say man i'd really rather play somebody else that i think i could beat as opposed to uh, you know, taking a road game that maybe helps you down the line, although you're going to have an early Big Ten road game in December uh, against somebody. Uh, you know, do you do you 
it's the value you place in being able to get that other road win or another road opportunity versus does it just matter that I win games? And so, you know, again, one year sample size using the net uh, might push you in one direction. Well, I guess we'll see uh, whether the coaching staff takes it that way or not, but uh, that'll do it for that segment. Then uh, coming up next, we're going to answer your questions. we got a lot of good ones. So stick with us here on the assembly call. We'll be back after this. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Andy Bottoms filling in for Jared Morris here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. Remember, you need to be subscribed to our email newsletter. We send out a weekly IU News Roundup, even during the offseason. And after every game, we send out a detailed post-game analysis. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. It's time now for our mailbag. All questions were submitted via Twitter for our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about at assemblycall.com slash community. And uh, we'll dive right in. We got a lot of questions. We actually have a, a decent amount of time, so we'll try to burn through as many of these as we can. Uh, so the first one is from Brock. Uh, which incoming player's skill set has you most excited for their impact in 2019-20? Ryan, I'll let you take that one first. Trace Jackson Davis, uh, 100%. I, I no. just think that he's a guy who can, uh, he can play... Uh, inside out, he, he's getting better at shooting. He's not a shooter yet, uh, but he's a guy who can dominate games. And, and he's a guy who maybe won't dominate games as a, fre- as a true freshman, uh, but he has that potential, certainly. And, and long-term, I think this guy's going to be around for a couple years. So he, he, long-term watching his growth is going to be a lot of fun. The guy I compared him to uh, watching him, there it's not a one-for-one comparison, but Jared asked for this. And, and I said, the guy he reminds me of is, is DJ White as a high schooler. Uh, and we all know how good DJ White turned out to be. He was a big-time player of the year. Uh, that's the kind of guy I think Trace Jackson Davis is, and he's an Indiana kid, and he's a kid who can do so much with the basketball, and he also plays within a team setting. So I, I think that he's just a great fit for what Indiana needs, especially if you're you're going to have you know the, some guys like Deron Davis struggling with their minutes maybe next year. Uh, he's a great guy who can come in, fit in, and, and uh, really do a lot for you. Coach, what about you? Yeah, I'd have to second uh, Trace Jackson Davis. I want to see where he can guard. Uh, Can he guard? That's going to be really interesting. You know, can he guard the four? Can he play the four? And can can his shot stretch the floor enough for Archie's offense as a four? Uh, Right now, it's twelve to fifteen feet. Right, Ryan. uh, I think his shot. Yeah, it's like free throw line. Yeah. So, but you also. Also, the other, all the incomers are going to be interesting. I think they're Indiana guys. They're, they're fighters. They're tough-nosed. I'd like to see jo- how Joey Brunk's game plays in the Big Ten. That, that's going to be interesting as well uh, behind the uh, TJD. Uh, I'll go a slightly different direction. Obviously, hard not to be excited about Trace, but I, Armand Franklin, if I think of this, like maybe I, I interpret this question too much around like skill set, but the two things I look forward to seeing from Armand are competitiveness and shooting and and he shot the ball dramatically better uh as a senior so i think that's a positive uh perhaps this is a little bit of wish casting on my part because this team needs a shooter so bad and i'm just hoping that uh what he was able to do as a high school senior will translate well uh to the college level but from a a, a skill or an attribute standpoint those are the things that everything you read about him and what this team needs uh i think those those kind of fill some holes of of what we've seen from iu so uh, i'm really interested to see him i think with uh, if Quinones picks Memphis, 
uh, there's certainly an opening for minutes at the guard spot, given what the roster looks like right now. And uh, if he can really come in and, and be competitive and make shots early on, I think he's got a chance to uh, to seize at least a piece of the pie uh, in the backcourt. Yeah, we we talked about this, and he his attitude reminds me of Al Durham's. He's just a fighter. He's just a battler, and he's a guy who's not going to give up. Armand Franklin is going to be a lot of fun as an IU player, uh, and you know he's the kind of guy who's he's you know when he guards you, it's going to be like getting in a street fight. Like he is a hard, tough kid who can really do a lot with, uh, on a basketball court. I love him, and I think he's going to be great at IU. Uh, I'm, I'll go to another question from Brock here. He, he said, what other than improved perimeter shooting, obviously, would constitute improved offense for Archie and the Hoosiers in year three? Fewer turnovers, better decision-making, more offensive rebounds. Uh, Coach, I'll go to you first on this one. Give me one thing you're looking at from an offensive standpoint that would, that would point you in a good direction. Transition offense. I think we saw Archie late in the season really try to get Fennessey to push the ball. When, I, when Archie was hired, I went back and looked at his Dayton teams, and they really pushed the ball. Went back to some of his clinics, on, on uh, coaching clinics, and watched what he talked about and how he set up his transition. And I haven't seen a whole lot of that in year one and two, and I have to think that is personnel-driven. But you saw him waving his hand and really encouraging. I think that's a way t- for teams that don't have everything you need offensively to get some easy offense in transition. So I would say the improved shooting – will help, but let's get the ball and go this next year and get some things out of transition offense. 100% agree it's transition offense. I, I don't think, I mean, you'd love to have also a, a, a higher assist to turnover ratio because um, it means you're moving the ball and you're not giving it up. Uh, I think that's very important. It is, But I mean, there were times this year where the turnovers were low and the offense still struggled. Uh, and I think that, yeah, it, it's if you're not shooting it well, if you're getting up and down the floor, you can cover for that a little bit because you're making the other team work really hard. And it's an easy way to get baskets if you push the ball, get fouled, get to the line, uh, and make your free throws. I, I, I do, and 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 that dovetails with what I was going to say was, and this counts as offense is free throws. They have to shoot free throws better. Uh, there are several games this year they lost because of their lack of an ability to make free throws in key situations, and I, it, you know that kind of stuff is contagious. It seems like there's no way it should be, but it is. When guys are missing free throws, they lose confidence in their teammates and they lose confidence in themselves at the line. It's contagious. Transition offense and free throws are the two things that need to change for IU. Yeah, I, I'd throw turnovers in there along as well. with three point shooting. Of course. I, I think we've we've certainly seen pretty big improvement from a turnover percentage standpoint. I mean, jumping from even from rankings drinking you know in a couple of years from being three hundred twenty second to one hundred thirty third. But uh, I, I do think for a team that is likely to be, and it goes along a little bit with what you guys said with transition, in a team that is likely to still be somewhat limited from a shooting perspective. Uh, every possession becomes a little bit more important because you're just not that adept at making shots. And that's why, as you guys said, transition offense becomes important because you're able to get some things, get the defense scrambling and trying to recover uh, in those situations. I think all of that really ties together, taking care of the ball, finding the open man, having guys knock down shots. Uh, that brings the assist rate up that you talked about and being able to you know kind of play fast, read things, and, and take advantage of that. And I, I'm somewhat curious to think about had Finnessy not suffered the concussion in the middle of the year uh, and, and some of those things, if the trajectory the team was on would have landed them maybe in the top 100 in, in turnover percentage. But I do think there were you know, sections of the season where that still uh, continued to be a problem area for them. Uh, let's go to uh, Ben's question. If you guys could go back and relive one moment in IU basketball history, 
that you wanted to be a part of but couldn't in person, what would it be? Uh, Coach, what uh, what's that to you on this one? I, I think I'm going to have to say the watch shot. Uh, I was coaching and, and watching it on an internet game breakdown, so I just know the shot went in. I didn't even see it on television uh, and in the locker room. That That's probably it. The, the, as the oldest member of the crew here, I'd like to have gone back and been at the 1976 championship undefeated, uh, beating Michigan in Philadelphia. I would have loved to have been there live. Yep. Ryan? Watch out for me, for sure. I know yours is going to be the Killingsworth dunk, of course, but uh, uh, the watch shot is... Uh, I could have lived that in your shoes. Know, oh, right? It would have been amazing. Uh, did you know I work for the IDS? Wow. Yeah. We have to tell us that story sometime. I look forward to it. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's the watch out for me, for sure. That, that's, you know, uh, a perfect moment, uh, you know, for an IU fan. Uh, because, you know, had it been any other team, it would be one thing, but beating Kentucky with that team and that in that situation and all that, it was, it was perfect. Yeah. That's, that's probably what I would pick. Um, honorable mentioned Bill Murphy, I think replied to the tweet and said he wanted to be at the 1940 championship because that was the only one he hadn't, he didn't see, uh, in, in person. Um, yeah. way to brag. Bill. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would say the watch shot partly because what I was doing at the time of that was working in like a, a terrible work scenario where I, I was and didn't get to, I was listening to, to fish. So at least I heard it that way. The other one I think would be 87 being in new Orleans, being able to go out to bourbon street, celebrate the championship. I think that would be uh, a pretty cool one as yeah, well. That, obviously, probably obviously the honorable mention to the killings were thunk there, Ryan. Of, of course. Yeah. I, thank you. Uh, runner up for me would be 87. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we might as well hit this question from Phil. Uh, who stole the fish out of Showalter Fountain in 1987? Coach has been on record as uh, having kissed a random woman at that at that point. So, I mean, he seems to be a potential suspect for, for stealing something like this. But, Coach, you got any leads for anybody on uh, on what might have happened to the fish? You, you do know that the camera is tight here in the man cave uh, because <laughs> I don't want every everything that is potentially in the man cave to be out for public consumption. <laughs> and uh, I was in the fountain in 1987. And other than that, I, I plead the fifth and I don't understand anymore. <laughs> nice. All right. Uh, I'm going to circle back to this this question from Rick. He said, do you think IU is a bit undersold for next year? Uh, because if, and maybe a big if, Jerome and Race are healthy, it's almost like two more new recruits. Um, you know, Ryan, what are your thoughts on that? Is it is it potential that IU is is underrated and that is one of the reasons coming into the uh the season next year of course i mean we you know i've said it since the beginning that i thought next year's team was gonna be better than this year's team but if you step back and look at it you lose your top two players and you think there's no way they're going to be better uh but i actually think they will be if everybody's healthy and everything works out the way it's supposed to uh, you lose you know, uh, uh, Romeo Langford and Juwan Morgan. And you, you look at that and you think, Oh God, they're going to take a step back. And I think that's nationally what people are saying, but those people don't, you know, when you, they make these lists about how good teams are going to be and all that, they're not seeing daily what we see with this team and what we're hearing about these guys. And race Thompson is going to be a real big part of this team. And he barely played this year. Uh, Rob Finnessy is going to take over as the point guard full time. And, you know, he was out for a long stretch this year. Um, there's lots of stuff in there that's positive about this team moving forward. Deron Davis, hopefully will be healthier in better shape, all that. So yeah, I think that that is definitely part of it is that you, you know, naturally they don't know about the guys that we know about and that we are expecting to make big gains next year and in the off season. Coach, what about you? And you know, uh, Juwan Morgan averaged seven 
6.7 points a game as a sophomore, and Indiana lost three players to the, to the pros, and he averages 16.5 the next year. So there are jumps like that that happen that uh, people nationally don't know. And then also look at teams in the tournament this year. There were several teams, Purdue, Texas Tech, who, who graduated four starters and was able to uh, put pieces back together. I'm not saying that's going to happen to Indiana, but sometimes uh, surprises happen or sometimes growth happens that is not predictable by paper. I think I'm trying not to, uh, as as I've probably done so many times in the last couple of off seasons, like talk myself into this team being better than it would appear to be. So I, I might be on the more pessimistic side of that, but I think it's a reason. It's at least another question and an unknown that's there that might make things a little bit different than what most people would believe. So I think in that regard, it's a fair question. I'm just trying not to uh, fall into the same trap as as we have in the last couple uh, last couple off seasons. But that'll do it for this week of the assembly call. Uh, if you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. And you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for assembly call wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next Thursday night. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense.